Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Brianna Approved Podcast. We have a very exciting guest today. We have Jason Phillips, who is the coach of coaches and a former cover model and professional athlete to sought after fitness and nutrition coaches. He is also the founder and the CEO of Nutritional Coaching Institute, which we will chat about today. And his formal background actually comes from Florida State University, where he majored in exercise science with a concentration in fitness and nutrition. He has also written for many publications, including Men's Fitness. He also has his own book, Macros Explained, Your Ultimate Guide to Macronutrient Prescription for Health, Performance, and Aesthetics. He has a new book that we can chat, chat about at the end. And he's one of the OGs to educate people about CrossFit stuff. He's worked with UFC fighters, WWE wrestlers, and fitness celebrities. So Jason, welcome to the podcast. That made me sound way more important than I really am. Um, and I think all of those things just goes to show how old I am. But um, it is an honor to be here. I, I truly appreciate it. And uh, I'm excited to chat. Isn't it always so cringeworthy to hear your bio back and you're like, did I write that or was I so just Somebody on my team definitely wrote that, but um, yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy. I, you know, it feels like I just started in this industry, which is crazy. Um, you know, I, I literally every day feel, I don't want to say I feel green, like I feel like I know a lot, but I, I still feel like it's very early in my career. And as I look back, it's been 18 years that that i've been in the game which is a scary because i'm like fuck i'm old mm -hmm. uh, oh I, I hope i can swear oh yeah you can curse i'm from okay. jersey we can uh, curse all okay. the time <laughs> um like a i'm really old and and b i'm like god like it's it's been a minute so um but i think that's cool i mean i think that i have a lot of perspective i've watched the industry evolve several times uh and and i think that it's i think that we're in a very exciting time i think there's a lot of great things happening today. I think there's a lot of horrible things happening today, but I, I think that the outlook is more positive than negative, which is super exciting. That's funny because not only do you keep it real, but I think you're maybe like low key a mind reader because that was one of the questions I had for you. So one of the things that I think is attractive about your content is that you have a really great balance of giving people actionable steps. You're super authentic, but you also are not going to sugarcoat things, which I think that is kind of the industry we're living in now. I joke as well, like I say that there's a coach for everything now. There's like a coach for chewing your food and a coach for brushing your hair. And it's great, but at the same time, it can also be, I think, overwhelming. And so like, I think there is this mentality of new coaches versus old coaches or OG coaches, as I would call it, or people we kind of grew up, I think, in this seeing social media develop and all of that. So like, what would you say are some of the main problems that you see with new coaches, as well as what you see with some of the OG coaches evolving with all these new changes and technology we have, and maybe some themes that you see amongst both of them? Yeah. I mean, I think that the problems that we saw before are no longer problems, meaning like when I came into the space, I was very big on individual prescription, which sounds absolutely ridiculous to talk about today, because if it's not individualized, it it is immediately seen as garbage. But, you know, 10 plus years ago, individual prescription was a big thing. Um, and, and I think that, you know, based on that, I almost think coaches have now become zealots. And, and I think that we've, we've seen this need for uh, novelty uh, really evolve into just absolute ridiculousness. Um, I, I mean, if, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm like putting people on blast lately. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing people like, advising like this novelty of, well, now you got to take two tablespoons of bee pollen and you're going to lose weight. And I'm like, and, and, you know, today was like, this guy's talking about our ancestors and what they did and how it evolves into like your metabolic type. And I'm like, listen, like we needed some, we always need some level of novelty and we should always be uncovering what's next in terms of our understanding of research and biology and physiology and metabolism. But for us to think that biology and physiology and metabolism have all changed or have all evolved, like, no, like the body still works like the body always has. Our understanding is just better today than it's ever been. And I think the real magic and where our industry is going to move forward is in practitioners becoming better, you and I becoming better, seeing ourselves better, having better self-awareness, having more security with who we are and passing those traits on to our clients. Because I'm also on record as saying our industry is kind of threatened right now. AI is coming. And I actually believe AI can do all of the things from a nutrition standpoint that any human can do. And that means if the coaching industry is going to survive, it's going to rely and become predicated on human connection, which ironically, when I wrote Nutritional Coaching Institute was the foundation and what we call the connection-based model. So, you know, um, it's a really long-winded way of saying, I think back in the day, the, the biggest flaw was a lack of connection. Um, today, the biggest flaw is an overemphasis on automation. Um, the number of clients or number of coaches that I see that are trying to do it the easy way to get more clients and more volume in their business is you're just destroying, in my opinion, quality. And I, I think now that I live more on the business side these days, um, as somebody that advises coaching businesses all the time, you can scale quality. You don't just have to scale with quantity. Um, and I think it's just massively misunderstood. I love so many things that you said about that and touching on, I think, both perspectives. And I think awareness and quality is something that people need to value more. And I know I always joke and I kind of say like, listen, if you want a Harvard education, you're going to pay Harvard tuition. If you want to go to Harvard, they're not going to negotiate with you and say, well, I know that you're really qualified. You would love this, but like, we'll give you whatever X amount of dollars off. And I know that you had a post that said clients who pay more do more, right? So like this idea of devaluing your services. And I think again, both new coaches and coaches who have been around for a while struggle with this, this idea of imposter syndrome, maybe, or even raising prices and, and valuing or even getting pushback to clients. So what would you say to somebody who's a coach who maybe is struggling with any of those buckets, whether that's, you know, feeling that, okay, well, I'm asking for this and I know, know that's what I'm worth. But every time I say this price, they have sticker shock, or I don't know if I am truly worth that. Like, how does somebody even get into the mindset of evolving their own perception of that? Yeah. So I'm really, I'm very contrary to every other guru in the world on this. And so every business guru out there is going to tell you, you should be high ticket from day one. You should only be high ticket. You should learn to sell high ticket. I don't want to say I disagree, but I think there's some flaws in that mindset. I'm a believer that humans feed off of momentum positively and negatively. And so if we hear the word no repeatedly, we're going to begin conditioning ourselves to hearing the word no. And so now when we go make an offer, be it $100, $1,000, or $100,000, we're conditioned to hear the word no. But if we hear the word yes, and that kind of becomes how we condition ourselves that, you know what, no matter what I say, everybody says yes, 
the same principle applies, whether it's $100, $1,000, or $100,000. And I, a lot of people now look at me as somebody that's very good at persuasion and marketing and sales. And that's not how I used to be. I used to be horrible in sales. In fact, I feared sales with everything in me. But when I actually started my, my business and my consulting business, I started for very low rates. Like I'm talking $100 a month. Now, today, if you want to work with me as a business consultant, it's a multiple five-figure investment. And I have no issues making that ask. And there are some six-figure offers that I have, right? I have no issues making that offer. And I fully expect you to say yes, if I make you an offer, because that means I know definitively we can work together. But I, I only correlate that back to the very beginning to where I got used to hearing the word yes. I mean, no matter who I talked to, no matter what they were doing, I knew people could afford $100. I knew that I was well worth it. I created this massive gap between the value and the value I provided, right? So like the value of the service definitively was $100. That's what you're paying. But the value I provided was probably $10,000. And anytime this gap is really big, your service is very likely to start going viral. And so I started building my business purely on virality purely on word of mouth, right? Where people were like this Jason guy, he's not super expensive, but he's really fucking good. And that's really how we did it. And then the same thing happened with NCI and the same thing happened with BCI. And that's literally what got us there. So I think there's this continuum where when you're a brand new coach, you need to sell something that's very easy to sell, but very difficult to fulfill. Okay. And so that means, yes, you have to grind a little bit in the beginning of business. That's the barrier of entry to being rich and successful at some point. Okay. So if you're going to sell something easy to sell, let's just say it's a hundred dollars a month. Let's say it's very frequently high touch. So phone access, text access, right. With lots of support. Okay. Difficult to fulfill. You got to be on your phone all the time. You got to schedule out weekly calls. You have to probably take on a very high volume of clients because you're charging a low amount of money, right? Easy to sell, hard to fulfill. You still have moderate success. Over time, with your confidence evolving, you're now going to sell something that is harder to sell, but you have confidence to hearing the word yes, right? So you're going to make a more difficult ask, but it's now going to win you your time back and it's easier to fulfill, right? Every entrepreneur wants to get to that hard to sell, easy to fulfill, because now you're chasing time. You're not chasing money. The money becomes a byproduct of you preserving your time, right? And ultimately at, at huge scale, now you're inserting people where it's somebody selling something difficult for you. It's really easy for you to fulfill. You've inserted a team. Now you're literally collecting money. That's CEO and owner status. And so I think there's a continuum. I think you have to ask yourself as an entrepreneur, where am I in that continuum? Am I acting in line with this continuum? If the answer is no, you got to make the appropriate changes. I think that's one of the best prompts that anybody could do is a self audit of not what's the Instagram persona that I'm putting out there in hustle grind mode. And everybody, I always joke, like, I'm like, nobody has an ugly phase anymore. Like when I was in middle school, I had braces. I wore a white eyeliner. I had crimped hair. Like I, and I joke, I'm like, I look at girls now. My mom was an eighth grade teacher. And I'm like, Oh my God, these girls are like so pretty. But I feel like people do this in every yeah. asset of their life yeah. or they're just like, I grind and like they'll rent a car or whatever it is. And that idea of competence versus confidence, I think is very different. And to your point, I think you have to actually meet yourself where you are. And a lot of people don't yeah. want to have that honest conversation because it's not as sexy and it's not as cool. 
We always, we always say in our, you know, in our company, A, do the boring work. But one of the first, if you ever come to me and you work with me as a business coach, one of the first things I'm going to talk to you about is expanding your time horizons. You know, I, I sat in a room, um, I was on a live the other day for Self-Made Academy. And I asked everybody in that room, I said, if I wrote you a $2 million check today, would you take that? And everyone's like, yeah, of course, right? If I wrote you the $2 million check and you couldn't cash it for seven years, would you take that? And everyone's like, yeah, of course. If I wrote you the $2 million check and you couldn't cash it for seven years and you only made $70,000 a year until we got to the $2 million, would you take it? And everybody said yes. And I was like, then why the fuck are you acting like you need $2 million tomorrow? Wow. And everyone's like, oh, shit. Yeah. And like, boom, like this light bulb moment went off and people are like, I'm trying to overtake the world tomorrow when I haven't overtaken myself today. And it's like, you don't get to talk about what business is like at a hundred clients when you don't have five clients. Yet all the gurus are only feeding you information that is relevant to their own businesses where they probably have a hundred clients. And I think a lot of the gurus forget what it's like to be in startup mode. They forget what it's like to want five clients, to want 10 clients, to hear your first yes, to make your first hundred dollars. And so I don't care where you're at, the steps remain the same, but the mindset likely changes. If I can get people to commit to slightly longer targets. And I play a quarterly game where it's like, we only set 90 day targets. We set ex very rational targets, right? We stretch you a little bit, but I'm not going to let you fail. All of a sudden, the fastest way to grow is by never having to go backwards, mm -hmm. right? And nobody wants to hear that. Everyone's like, I want to shoot my growth potential. Like I want hockey stick type growth. Okay, great. That's risky growth. Or we can never have to go backwards or sidetrack have very consistent growth over time and you're probably going to win. And yeah, so I, I think you just did a post about that, that idea of consistency and this idea of patience, right. And like speed over perfection. And I think it's so easy now too. like back in the day, if you had an actual physical clinic or practice, you were either like seeing people in person and that was your reach was a lot smaller. Now you could literally be like on your mom's couch and not have any clients and be like, Hey guys, like, this is how I made my first million. And I know you did a post where you said like, I failed for 10 years before I found yeah. success. So yeah. I would love to hear how your definition of even failure and success has evolved for you sitting in the different buckets of just somebody working with maybe fat loss clients, as opposed to coaching coaches now. Yeah, I don't think the definitions have changed at all outside of my understanding of them. I used to be very transactional. Um, I think that the, the biggest thing that's, that's changed, um, and this is what I encourage everybody to get to in life, is the notion of transactions versus like the sum of a whole. And everybody lives inside of the, the results of microtransactions. And so every day, 10, 20, 30, 40 things happen to us in a day. Right. And so, you know, you go to Starbucks. I went to Starbucks this morning. I went through the drive through. No shit. The person in front of me paid for me. I wanted to pay it forward, but the person behind me was a mobile order and they had already paid. There was no one else I could pay for. Like that's a win. Right. <clears throat> so, um, like I can look at that as like a win, but I'm going to look at it as like dope. I got free coffee today. I'm probably going to try to pay it forward tomorrow. In fact, every year on Thanksgiving, when I walk into Starbucks, I pay for every single person in the store at that moment because it, it means something to me, right? And so I just look at life as a collection of a whole. Like that's a micro win, right? My daughter had a rough morning today on the way to school. That's not a failure this morning. It's a rough morning, right? I picked her up from school. She felt great. We're going to go to the trampoline park after this. Like, and so I start looking at like, what is the sum of the whole? 
you know, last year, when I look at Q4, I intentionally took a step backwards. I was 6% down in revenue for the month of October. By the way, I did a record month in December. Most people are going to look at October and be like, oh, what a shitty month. That defines me. I'm terrible. Things are going backwards. But like when you look at the sum of the whole, I was up almost 300% last year. Not a bad thing. And so it's like, <clears throat> I think that what people have to start understanding is that everything happens and everything is just one very small component in a much larger scale. And what we have to try and what we have to try to create is that the sum of our whole is better than the sum of someone else's whole, right? Or or some other business. And that's really what we're looking at. And so um there's going to be great things. There's going to be terrible things. There's going to be, uh, you know, candidly, I'm, I'm battling my father, like losing my father right now. Um, you know, he's stage four cancer and, and mm -hmm. extremely sick. And that's a very negative thing in my life. But, you know, I'm also mature enough to realize this is a time where I'm going to need to grieve. I'm going to have to get through that, but then I'm going to have to help my mom through it. Then I have a daughter that's going to need me like later in life. And so I look at all of these things and I try not to ride the roller coaster too much. I try to understand that, I'm here as long as the man upstairs is allowing me to be here and I am making the most of all of it. You know, I've, I've had some really low points in my life. I've been anorexic. I've been down, I've been overdrawn on my bank account to where I couldn't afford coffee. You know, I've had some super low points. And so as long as my collection of everything I do is better than it is worse, I'm okay. And, and I think that way more people in their weight loss journeys, in their business journeys, they have to start understanding it. The, the game is the game and the game never ends. You know, uh, I, I don't know what your business, like how much you gross, but if I said, hey, take 10X that amount of money and you can sell tomorrow, it's probably very appealing, right? But then I'm going to say, well, what are you going to do afterwards? Well, now you're right back in the game. And so that exit of $30 million, right, is just one small victory in the grand scheme of your life. It might change the next chapter, but guess what? You're still in the game. You might be playing the game at level 10 instead of level two, but you're still in the fucking game. And so what I have to understand or what I, what I help people understand, what I had to understand was that the game never ends. The game is infinite. It is, it, there's infinite amounts of time relative to you playing it. Um, obviously somebody will choose when game over happens, um, but the, the game is the game. And I think that that perspective shift has truly allowed me to operate with freedom. It's allowed me to operate with, with a lack of need. I don't need anything in this life. And, and really just having fun and operating purely from abundance and desire, um, which I hate operating from abundance, so fucking cliche, but like operating from a place of like, I'm doing this on my own accord because this is what I wanna be doing and this is how I think I'm gonna get to the next level. And I think that uh, there's a lot of freedom with that. Um, I've learned that from some amazing mentors, but, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the big shift that most people should be looking for. I know people hate cliches, but cliches exist for a reason because they generally tend to be true time oh. and time again. Oh. I heard a quote once that I actually said, it said, play the game, not the arena. And I think so many people have that mindset of, or very myopic where I'm like, okay, I'm just in business mode or I'm just in friendship mode, or I'm just in relationship mode, and kind of like, you know, what you're going through with your dad, which is, you know, so sad, but it's also like the principles that you've learned, I think, in any of that, like grief, you could be grieving, it's obviously going to be a lot heavier when it's a family member and all that, but grief from that, as opposed to maybe you lost an identity of yourself or a job that you had, or, you know, just anything. And those are all cyclical. And I think that you can oscillate between any of those different stages. And I know that one of the, one of the courses that you offer in your 
Coaching Institute is mindset. And I think that this is something I say to clients all the time, like it is some of the hardest work that you'll do, but I think has the best return on your investment when it comes to making changes in every area of your life, as opposed to being so myopic. So were there any kind of mental struggles or emotions that you felt you had a difficult time maybe like sitting with or befriending or what was kind of like the lesson that took you the longest to learn or was the toughest to learn? It's a really good question. Um, Because I always joke and I say, if you're going to be a hard learner, don't be a slow learner. And I tend to be both. But once I get the lesson, I really got it. But sometimes I'm like, I got to repeat that like at least seven more times and then it'll stick. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, I'm trying to think of how to articulate it. So I'll give you the lesson and then I'll try to find a way to articulate it, which is I found, I found like large amounts of success three times in my life now. And the first time was my early twenties when I became one of the most well-known trainers in like Beverly Hills and I trained celebrities and I did like the in-person thing. And the result of that success, like, like the end game of that success was I got really burned out because I did entirely too much work and I wasted the majority of the money I had. Mm-hmm. Um, the next time I became really successful was when my online coaching business really popped off. I became one of the most well-known coaches online and we did millions of dollars and the burnout didn't happen this time, but I still like the financial part, I still wasn't overly connected to it. And so I wasn't leveraging it the right way. Um, now in the success I'm in, I don't foresee anything negative happening at the end. And so the lessons I had to learn and the overarching lesson that I'm trying to kind of tie together for you is that what's happening now is not what's always happening. And I see this inside of a lot of internet coaches is they, they have a, a $30,000 month or a $50,000 month. And all of a sudden they assume their salary is $50,000 a month. And it's like, no, 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 you had one $50,000 month. And by the way, you shouldn't be living on every dollar you make. Right. And, and so we create this and it's easy to illustrate with money because it's, it's easy to understand, but also now take that to something that is non-tangible, not like, like not money, but uh, client success today or client failure today. And all of a sudden you had, you know, 10 check-ins and 10 clients were upset. Well, that doesn't mean for the rest of your life that 10 clients are going to be upset every single day. Conversely, just because you're experiencing massive amount of success with your clients doesn't mean that a pandemic's not going to happen. People aren't going to freak out. Stress levels are going to go through the roof. And all of a sudden you're going to have different issues to face and you may not be prepared for that. And so you can't create these logical assumptions that what is happening today is what's going to happen forever. And I think that so many of us get caught up in these loops of today equals forever. And we extrapolate it that way. Our bodies perceive things that way. Our minds should know better. And I think that that's how, that's really like the biggest evolution I've had is today is today. It's it's one data point in 365 over the course of each year, right? Over the course of 10 years, it's one data point in 3,650. And so it's like, Oh, well, one out of 3,600 suddenly seems very insignificant, but everybody treats it like it's the most significant thing in the world. Okay. And then there's this dichotomy of like, well, but we got to maximize today. Of course you do. Right. And this is Gary V's notion of like micro speed, macro patience, where I want you to win today, but I want you to be patient on the scoreboard. And like, that's it. And I think that that is where um, I could give you examples of that in every aspect of life, but that's where real wins happen. Yeah. 
The idea of impermanence and non-attachment is the very hippy dippy version of that, right? Like what you hear people talk about in like Buddhist philosophy and whatever mindset. But I think it, to your point, it is so much about that. And we get so hyper-focused, especially with, I think, social media stuff being in your face all the time. And you're just always comparing your whatever, your success to somebody else's and like your chapter one to somebody else's 10. And that can definitely be detrimental over time. And that's actually why I love the review videos that you do. I think I have been following you on Instagram for a while, but the way the algorithms work, I guess I just like haven't seen your stuff. And then you popped up on TikTok with the dessert challenge you were doing, which we'll uh -huh. talk about that because your girl loves dessert, but also this idea of the reviews. And I think that this is really important too for calling people out because I think people are trying really hard right now in a lot of areas of their lives to whether that means to be putting on the highlight reel or to act like they have their shit together or like that they're live, they're grinding and living their best life. And we're like, we get it, relax. However, it can be, and I think intentions are good sometimes, but sometimes it can be really damaging to somebody who's maybe a bit more moldable or novice in their career or their journey or whatever it is. So have you seen some trends or videos recently that you think were maybe had good intentions, but they have really been quite detrimental or you think could potentially be detrimental to people watching? Or what's one that recently you're just like, I can't believe I just watched that and you know, it's, it's on the it's internet. It's really, oh God, all of them, I'm like, I'm appalled by. I, I know, and you're like giving them a plot. It's a double-edged sword because it's like, oh my God, now like you have a following, so they're going to see these people. And I'm just like, you know, hopefully they see the silver lining there that yeah. like, don't listen. I, I think that, um, you know, it's funny because we filmed a whole new, like a whole new bunch like last week. And I found myself coming back to this theme where, you know, I did the first five and it was like vicious. Like I was, I came out like swinging and I was like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, why would you do this? And then, you know, I, I sat and I thought about it and like, I was like, okay, clearly I don't think that people are trying to hurt people on the internet. Like I, I like to think most people are good. And so I don't think you're actively trying to hurt somebody on the internet. So I tried to look at the next batch through that lens and tried to listen and pay attention. And I was like, okay, I'm trying to see what you're doing. I don't hate it, but at the same token, you completely lack context. And I think that's the problem in the industry. Um, you know, I did one yesterday where somebody private messaged me. I was like, I'm really disappointed in you doing this. And I was like, okay, A, understand it's entertainment. I'm not trying to like hurt anybody, but B, let's talk about this because I think that while the message isn't awful, the way it's presented is, and it completely lacks context. And so when we're telling people, oh, when you restrict yourself you just end up eating a Rice Krispie treat. No, that's not what happens. In fact, I, as a former anorexic, never once told myself, don't eat. And I don't think any human on this earth has been told, don't eat, starve yourself. In fact, common diet culture dogma says not to, so not to starve yourself. So maybe we should address something that is way more contextual, which is you're being told to remove certain food groups for a very long time. And you need to understand more about moderation so that you don't end up overindulging. And I think that's a much better presentation. I get it. TikTok is 15 seconds. You can't say that, but maybe don't try to make short form content around something that shouldn't be in short form content. Right. And so maybe your short form content should be like, one Rice Krispie treat, okay. 50 Rice Krispie treats, not okay. 
Know the difference because if you restrict, you'll do this. If you don't restrict, you'll do this. Boom, the end. Much better presentation. But I think that everyone's trying to, you know, two tablespoons of bee pollen, you're going to lose weight. Like, shut the fuck up. No, you're not, right? Especially if you're not in a calorie deficit. Fucking raw vegan. This cabbage tastes like a chip. No, it fucking doesn't. Like, but like we can talk about all of this ridiculousness, but why not equate it to something that is more real instead of trying to sensationalize? Part of it is the notion that you're going to go viral. And so people are trying to sensationalize. And I understand that to a degree. Um, like I've been asked recently, hey, put the liver king on blast. And A, I had never heard of the liver king. So I looked him up and I, I started following his shit. And I said, guys, like what he's saying isn't factually wrong. He's just sensationalizing it. And it completely lacks context. And so if he ever wanted to debate me, I would tell him that. And he couldn't because science is science. But what he's saying isn't factually wrong. He's, he's not wrong about many things. And so, you know, there's, there's the notion of you got to get attention. You got to have views. You got to do all this shit. And I get that. But I also think as practitioners, we should have the health and, and the, the mindset health of our consumers first. And, and that means we have to be very conscientious when making our content that we're physically not hurting people, that we're mentally not hurting people. When we start doing that, I think we've progressed as a community. I think that is such an important takeaway message in general. Like context is everything in this clickbait world that we live in, in this, we only have attention for 15 seconds anyway. And it's so true. Like back when I started, I le legit had a blog. Like people used to read articles and like yeah. want your references. And now it's like people don't even read captions and reels anymore. And so I understand to your point, like there is definitely a fine balance. But I think with anybody, I think somebody who's truly a, an ex quote expert in the field or been in this field for a while can understand that there does have to be some humility humility of like listen there are things that i probably said when i was younger in my career coming yeah. in hot making like claims and whatever so and since you have a, a younger daughter I, I always think it's nice to you know i think everything my dad says i take like to heart you know like whatever so is there a piece of advice that you thought was actually helpful um when you were younger um health wise and business wise that you would if you were sitting your daughter down to be like listen i said this but this is really what i've learned from this experience i you know what i think that i would actually go opposite of that and tell her look at the stupid shit i said but look at the veracity with which i said it because what i'm only going and i and i i kind of preface everything that i teach even when i teach mci with what I'm saying today is what I know to be true to this minute, like right now. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be scientifically disproven tomorrow. You know, my whole fucking course could be disproven tomorrow. Um, and if it was, it would devalidate everything in nutrition. So it's not like, you know, I would be the only one fucked, but it could happen. Right. Um, I tell online coaches, you could wake up tomorrow and our crazy president could be like, you know, Online coaching is illegal tomorrow. Like, like anything could happen. And so I think that what I'm most proud of, one, is that I always back what I say with 100% conviction because like that is me researching and knowing to the best of my knowledge, this is the truth that I know today. But then two, being open to an evolution and saying, I may learn something that disproves this and I will further give you better information. And so the way I operate is I'm going to give you the best of who I am and what I know today, right now in this minute. And if I do that, how does anybody fail? 
right? I look back at the very first diet plans I ever wrote when I was 19. And I'm like, wow, I was a fucking asshole, right? Like really strict. And then people would ask me like, how do you do this? And I'm like, it's just food, like detach the emotion. Cause you know, fucking anorexic, that's what we do. And so I was like, you know, again, was it meant to be a negative thing? No. Were the diet plans sound relative to the nutrition I understood at that point? Absolutely. If followed, were they going to produce results? Absolutely. Was there a better way? Fuck yes, there was. And I preach it today, but that doesn't mean I was misintentioned. And so I'm also not one to flame people for putting out their best shit. You'll never see me come after somebody that's actually trying to help people, but I will come after you if I think that you're trying to clickbait people. And if you're putting out fucking propaganda, because everybody has to remember, I was victim to that. I was victim to the misinformation. And my mission on this earth is for me, for there never to be another 18-year-old Jason that sits on the floor of his bedroom in his parents' house contemplating killing himself every single night. Because if I can save those people, like that's a life well lived. And, and that is really like where all of my intensity and all of my passion really comes from. I, I genuinely believe I was put through that because God gave me the strength to overcome it and to now be in a position to pay it forward. Yeah. I love that. And I do think, cause I, I'm sure you probably get this sometimes people. And that's why before we started, I asked Jason, I'm like, are you from like New Jersey or something? Cause I like that he keeps it real and honest. And sometimes I think people think it's being mean. And when you have put in your time and actually studied and all those other things and helped people, there is almost this sense of responsibility and you've paid your dues to be like, no, listen, I've also been on the other side of it. And I respect people's time and money. And I don't want to waste either of those things. So I think it's, it's nice to hear your point of that. And to, like I said, be humble to be like, yeah, there have been things that I said that have been wildly restrictive or inaccurate. And I had, I have changed and evolved. So, um, I know you're taking your daughter to the trampoline today, so I don't want to take too much of your time, but I would love to hear, um, a little bit about the inception and the intention behind when you started your Institute and kind of what was the light bulb moment or switch for you from maybe just working solely with fat loss clients to doing this. And maybe if people are kind of you know, wrestling with that idea of like, I don't love just being with one-on-one -on -one clients anymore. And maybe they want to either enroll in your course or do something like that. Kind of what did that process look like for you? Yeah. You know, it was interesting. Um, I was on my way to a mastermind meeting in LA and it's coincidentally, I, um, I very, like I have <laughs> people see me online and they think that I'm like completely like self-confident. And I ironically, like admittedly, I lack a lot of self-confidence. Um, and so I was on my way to this meeting and I remember telling my videographer, I was like, yo, like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be like the poorest person in this room. And like, we had just hit a million dollars in my business. And I was like, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be the fucking poorest person. And like, we walk in and I, ironically, I ended up being the most successful person. And everybody was asking me two questions. Like one, how do you consistently create the results that you do? Like, that was the actual first question where people are like, they, they weren't asking business. They weren't asking money. They were like, dude, you are known no matter who comes to you for creating ridiculous results. Like, how are you so consistent? And I was like, well, that's cool. Right. And I could answer those questions. And then the next one was like, how did you get started? How did you take this passion and this skill set? And how did you turn it into a business? I was like, huh? So then like when we were there, someone was like, dude, you're kind of hitting this glass ceiling. Ironically, it was only 30% of where I ever got to. Like our business did get to like $3 million. Um, and they're like, you're at this glass ceiling. The next 
thing that you need to do for your legacy is you need to teach other coaches to create the results that you create. And I was, and, and shout out to Craig Ballantyne because it was him that gave me the idea. He was like, that's, that's really where you belong. And I was like, huh? And I was like, but isn't there this thing called precision nutrition? Don't they kind of do that for people? And, and, you know, I, I was in disagreement with their methodology, like openly I've, I've said that before, and I'm not saying anything negative about them. John Berardi and I are friends. Like there's, there's no beef there. In fact, he's speaking on my stage in three months. Um, so like, we're super close. Um, but I was like, isn't there this thing called PN? And they were like, yeah, but like, you could do it too. And I was like, again, imposter syndrome, like, how the fuck can I beat PN? And, and by the way, how do you rewrite a book where science hasn't changed, right? It's physiology, it's metabolism, it's biology. Like it's, it's not that different. Science hasn't changed. I'm like, fuck. So I leave this meeting in LA. I'm driving back to my house in Scottsdale at the time, six hours. I get halfway through and it's like, boom, like ton of bricks hit me in the face. And I was like, I know what I need to do. And for the next three hours, I was more antsy than I've ever been. And I got to my house, I drove in the garage, like didn't shut the door, didn't get my shit out of the car, ran straight to my desk. And I wrote down the whole curriculum of NCI level one. And it's never changed because the clarity was so real. And I knew that the questions I had been asked in the room that weekend were the things I needed to answer if we were going to find success. Because what I had just witnessed was literally a microcosm of the whole industry. I had witnessed super intelligent people that are very well-intentioned, but they lack the single fundamental skill that it takes to be successful, which is application. The reason that I was so good was because I could take complex principles, articulate them simply, and apply them to a very diverse setting. No matter who it was, I could make it happen. And I was like, that's what I have to teach people. And if you look like historically at the industry, right? NCI turns five this year. The gap that we have filled has been right where PN left off. They are fantastic at the science side of nutrition, but nobody in the industry had ever addressed the application side of the industry. And so I went in and I said, I'm going to win purely from application. Ironically, look what's happened five years later. If you're a coach and you don't have application, you lack confidence. And every coach knows application is king. So I would say that my prediction was right. I would say that we truly are putting a dent in the industry. And I actually, I mean, again, of course, I believe in my own products. I think we're the future of the industry. Um, and so that was really it. Um, and then the same thing in business. You know, I, I heard similar stories. I mean, I was fortunate enough, again, just to grow and scale to, to 3 million and and all these coaches, like, how do you do it? And, and this was really interesting because I saw all the business gurus and I was doing every, I was doing nothing that they were promoting. And I was like, huh, like maybe I'm the dumb one. Like maybe I got lucky. And then I just kept like listening to them and I'm like, no, like, I don't believe that. And then what I kept doing and like what I kept tripling down on was like working more and more. And like, I had somebody come to me, he's pretty well known. I won't say his name because we don't work together anymore, but I, I helped him build his business from like $10,000 a month to like $70,000 a month in six months. And he came to me and I was like, I said, like, dude, I want you to help me build my business. And I was like, no, 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 I don't do that. And he's like, no, 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 like I'm going to pay you. And I'm like, no, like I really don't do that. And, and he was, you know, by the way, like message to all the coaches out there, like stay in your fucking lane. Um, and so I was like, I was like, all right, like you're really persistent. Like, let me think about this. And, and I, I remember I was like, dude, you know, tell me everything you want. I was like, for the next, you know, two, three weeks, I'm going to think about it. If I can conceptualize what I think you need to do, I'm like, you'll, you'll be a test case. And, um, you know, I'm like, I will, 
I'll, I'll think about it. And so I, I really, I sat on it for two, three weeks and I built a plan and I said, all right, I'm, I'm reasonably confident this will work. Um, and so I went to him and I was like, listen, it's thousand dollars a month. I'm like, I, I'm making no promises. I'm like, the longest I'm willing to commit to is six months because at the end of six months, if I haven't delivered, like I'm going to feel really guilty. I'm going to feel like I need to give you your money back because I always deliver. Right. And yeah, six months later, he was making 70 grand a month. And uh, clearly it worked. And so then I had lots of people hitting me up and it kept working. And, um, you know, I just, I, I guess my gift is I see gaps in industries and business models. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just something, something I love. Um, but you know, it's, it's always like something in the industry has left off and it's just, there's somebody that's gonna, that's gonna pick it up. And, you know, fortunately for me, it's, it's been me twice. Yeah. Never underestimate the beta phase of something of being honest and being like, I actually don't know how I feel about this either. But like, if we can both be honest about where we are meeting our expectations, like I'm going to try it out, you're going to try it out. You never really know what results can happen from that. So um, before I let you go and you tell everybody how they can work with you and where they can find you and find all of your great videos and all that. Um, I know you recently did an eat dessert every night challenge, which is like the best challenge that is currently on the internet that needs to be trending. So hashtag never skip dessert. So what was a dessert that you didn't get to eat that you wish you did? And if you could only eat one dessert for the rest of your life, what would that be? Oh man. I asked, I'm like the Barbara Walters of wellness. The the harder, the harder one is like the one dessert. Um, okay. So, so pre-frame, I'm not a massive dessert fan. Wow. Um, I'm more of like a sweet and savory guy or a savory guy. Right. Okay. So like, give me all the chicken parm, give me all the pizza, give me all like the steak and mac and cheese and shit like that. Like that's what really gets me excited. Um, so my mentor, um, Alex Ramosi has a running hashtag that is like all over the internet hashtag never skip dessert. And Alex is jacked and ripped and everyone's like, how the hell does he stay that way? And admittedly, I'm trying to grow a YouTube channel. And so I like to be very sensational, but again, I'm not sensational with my advice. I'm just sensational with the shit I'm willing to do. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, let's fucking try it and let's see what happens over the course of a week. And so we went to Arizona. It was a really intense week. Um, it was my event week. And so like, you knew this was not optimal. I wasn't sleeping. I actually ended up getting sick. Um, I was speaking all day on my feet. So you knew like we were going to get the worst of the worst effects here. And so I, uh, I never skipped dessert for a week. And uh, yeah, like the, the results, are, do you want me to share the result or should we just send people to YouTube to see what well, happens? Send them to YouTube because you're building your YouTube channel. And I hope that there is going to be merch soon with a uh, never skip dessert sweatshirt and maybe a never skip dessert bathing suit for the summer crop top for the bitches. So I'll be waiting for that for sure. But so what was your favorite dessert that you ate? And then tell everybody where they can find you, um, what some of your main handles are, website, all that good stuff. So my favorite dessert that week was the chocolate cake, ironically, that I got at Fry's, the grocery store. Um, um, that and then the beignet tree at Dominic's. If you haven't been to Scottsdale, Arizona, and haven't been to Dominic's, the beignet okay. tree is fire. Um, like highly recommend 10 out of 10. Um, or if you're somewhere where there's a steak 44, or steak 48, they have it as well. Um, okay. Highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, you know, I'm... So I eat chocolate chip cookies every day. Like it's right before I go to bed, I eat like one or two freshly baked chocolate chip cookies every night. It's cause it's kind of like a thing. So I would say like, that's one of my favorites, but it's more like a comfort thing. It's like a routine thing. Um, I love butter cake from Mastro's. Um, trying to think like, trying to think like what really gets me excited. Um, I think you should do a eat pizza every day challenge. Cause that's just, so, okay. The so, right, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's coming up. Okay. So 
next week on the channel, there's a video coming out where we combine three of my favorite things. I'm not, I'm not going to give you all the secrets, but I combine three of my favorite things. Um, UFC pizza and Georgetown cupcakes. Um, and so I can't tell you everything, but I can tell you this. I had to eat more than two pizzas and more than two cases of cupcakes um, in a very short amount of time. So that's one worth watching. And in during w- which I reviewed TikTok videos, um, the, I also had to do Chick-fil-A for a full day. Um, I can tell you that was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I felt like complete garbage. I will never do it again. I hate fast food. I don't ever want to see that shit again. Um, I can tell you two weeks I'm going to Vegas and I'm letting Las Vegas choose my diet for three days. So before I can eat, somebody in Vegas has to tell me what to eat. Um, and I'm doing a 10,000 calorie day of nothing but pizza. Wow. Wow. That's my dream. I will definitely be tuning in live for that. So everybody make sure that you follow Jason on YouTube, on Instagram. Is there a specific platform that you love the most? I know where can people find you on YouTube and your Instagram handle and website, and then I will let you go jump on the trampoline to work for those, you know, fun, extra pizza calories. Yeah. We got to go burn a few. Um, at Jason Phillips is nutrition on Instagram is the easiest way, uh, to get to me. Um, send me a DM. I tell everybody, I, I, I really, I try to always respond. Pretty sure that's kind of how this podcast happened. It is. Um, we were just messaging. And so I, I really, I try to get back to everybody. I'm not gonna say I'm perfect. Um, but I, I do make a very good effort as long as you're not just sending me stupid shit. So, um, but you know, I make a very concerted effort to be as helpful as I possibly can. So send me a DM, give me a follow. I'd really appreciate it. And go check out the YouTube channel. Um, we're really trying to grow that. So like that, subscribe, leave me some comments, tell me what crazy shit you want me to do. Um, and of course, if there's any way I can help you, please reach out. I'm happy to It'll do so. all be in the show notes. Jason, thank you so much for your time today. And I can't wait to hear all about oh, your Vegas trip and have so. so much fun jumping on the trampoline. We will do that. Sorry, my daughter is uh she's a little fussy right now. She wants to she wants to watch some Barbie on the tablet. So who does it? Uh, I'm gonna she, go watch Barbie on the pizza tablet. And she wants to watch Barbie. And so we're gonna go do that. But I genuinely appreciate your time. Guys, anybody that listened to this or that watched this, I appreciate your time. I know time is our most precious resource. So I hope I added value to your life in the last 45 minutes. Um, and like I said, if so, reach out. I'm, I'll help you in any way I possibly can. And Brianna, thank you so much for putting this together. Obviously, thank you're taking you. the time out of your life to pay it forward to help people as well. And I'm always super appreciative of that. So thank you so much. Thank you. Ciao, guys.